common misconceptions of sex workers are. Mm. I think people see us as worth less than someone who doesn't do sex work. A big stigma that I've been told is, you know, sex workers don't have relationships or oh significant God. others. I think it's important to remember that sex work is my job. job. Right! Welcome to another episode of Period Sis. I am joined. This is the first time I have done a part one and part two of an interview. Yep. You know what I mean? But it's because we had to keep it going. Um, if you guys listen to part one of my conversation with Tayomi, it led into a conversation that was unexpected, but one that is that resonates with so many w- women as far as the conversation regarding codependency Mm -hmm. um, and how we almost put on a mask in terms of dating and finding partners and who we become when we are in the quest of becoming a wife, a girlfriend, a partner, a mother, Mm -hmm. Um, all of the things that we kind of add value to as women as rating ourselves of what makes us worthy, which also is a whole bunch of fucking bullshit put upon us by society standards of what women um, are supposed to do. And specifically for this portion of the conversation, what we're going to get into, and this honestly is what stemmed this conversation to happen with me and Tyomi. It came from a tweet, actually. And what we're going to get into is the conversation regarding pussy as power, but Mm -hmm. using your pussy as a means of survival. Yes. And so... As you guys know, and I'll just give you some backstory as to how this even came about. Um, A man, a boy, a nigga who ain't shit, um, decided to put his opinion on the recent um, interview that I was a part of with Horrible Decisions and the City Girls. And I assume this person not to be a listener of Horrible Decisions, but what they decided to do was say, oh, well, City Girls are only hoes because they grew up in the projects or grew up in a less um, desirable environment. That's why they're city girls. These hoes, referring to Wheezy and I, are just some sluts from the suburbs who are pretty much having sex just because they want to have sex. And kind of (laughs) once it made it seem, make it seem like people from the suburbs can't just have sex just to have sex. But also, I took offense to it because a part of me did feel like wrong nigga i grew up in a single parent household and leaving the house three days after graduation a reason why i felt like i hadn't experienced a relationship or a real partnership with a man over the last decade was because i was financially dependent Mm -hmm. upon men in those relationships that i had had and when i kind of tweeted that and was like well nigga you don't even know that's why i've been single it's because i felt like i've had a sort of crippling effect on myself as a woman in my relationships with men because I was dependent on men Mm -hmm. for money, which means I was using my pussy as a means to get money out of men. And literally Tyomi wrote me and was like, bitch, that's a whole podcast topic. That's a whole podcast topic, yes. And so, again, this is a part two because a lot of people assume that a woman who is sexually liberated or a woman who is a stripper 
or a sex worker or a prostitute or an escort or someone who, as you guys seen recently in the tabloids, sucked off seven NBA players in one night. <laughs> Women like that automatically come from broken homes or right. have daddy issues. Right. So I wanted this to be a two part series because we're now going to talk into using your pussy and your anatomy as a woman to advance financially, culturally, um, in the workspace, all of these things. Um, but also where as women, we feel like if we are at rock bottom, this is our only option. Um, no, but it's a, it's a viable and smart option because it's talk to it. the oldest profession in say the it. world. Show okay. Hoes been hoeing since before time. Just say so, BC before, look, you know, BC time, before Christ, bitch. Look, look, <laughs> Eve was, it was ejected out of the garden with Adam. And I'm pretty sure at that point, <laughs> bitches was hoeing like, look, okay. And if you're sensitive to that shit. This ain't the podcast for you. Right. I, I, maybe I'll add a trigger warning to this too, but no, <laughs> in, in, in real life, um, like, 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 like I said, like from you experiencing, and, and I want to start there before we mm -hmm. dig into this, you lost your, you, you had your first romantic experience with a partner at 19. When did you start feeling any sort of resentment or viewing men differently because of your interactions with them? as they were different than the interactions that you grew up with with men. Because you, you from wait. the first time I had sex with a man. Talk about it then. Like from so the first moment. What made you feel different than you grew up feeling safe and open with your father. You said all of the men as far as your uncles, your cousins, everyone when you grew up with treated you kind and with respect and you felt protected. At what point did you not feel protected by men when you started dating? Like the fact that I could give you my body. I could lay down with you. And then you just don't even acknowledge or even respect my feelings. Mm. And you do things that, you know, I feel triggered by. And you don't even think that you should have a conversation with me or even try to help me navigate that space. Just being like, well, bitch, you know, it is what it is kind of a situation. Mm. So I felt abandoned in a lot of my early relationships. And like, I remember this one where I was talking to this guy off the Internet. Right. OK. And we were talking like all day, every day finally comes to see me in Chicago. We get it in and then he ghosts me and I literally had to hit up his best friend. So he goes to you after a yep. sexual encounter. Okay. Yep. And this is one of the first experiences that I had. Like the first, I was the first 10 partners I had. I felt like really left a bad taste in my mouth for the most part. Bitch, the first 10, the first, 10. you wasn't fuck. All of them did, which is crazy because I you say, you know what? Not all of them. Cause, okay. cause in that 10, there was one, who, okay, that's still not really good odds, bitch. <laughs> One out of ten. <laughs> I mean, because I kind of lost count at some point. You know what I mean? Like, I right, stopped we counting. Are, me too. So I'm, I'm really generalizing, you know? Okay. But I would say um, the first few experiences that I had definitely led a bad, left a bad taste in my mouth because some of them were married men. Sent, oh, you know what go. I'm saying? Right. So I had those experiences very early on, just being like, damn, niggas ain't shit. Like, right. you got a whole wife. And then for me, you know, it was like, what I understood was this. Yes, you are married, and I'm having an experience with you. And my experience with you is not about me trying to take you away from your wife at all. I don't want to be a wedge in your relationship. I'm having an experience with you because this is something that I want to experience. But also, was it was it beneficial to you? Yeah, and, and a lot of times, like, they were taking care of me Same. financially. Okay. You know what I mean? So, again, that whole being dependent on niggas right. financially, that part was a part of it. And it almost was kind of like the money was hush money. 
and, and you know what? So I've been open about my relationships with married men um, because I walk in my truth. And a lot mm-hmm. of women have been like, how dare you? Because there is a woman code. But also, I didn't make Excuse those me, vows. Ma'am. I didn't Excuse make those me, vows with you. I don't you. know you. I don't know you. Ma'am, I don't know I you. I don't do this to my friends, but bitch, I don't know you. Right. I don't know um, you. But I want to talk about where, and because it's recently happened to me. And I'm going to say this. Disclaimer. Okay. Yeah. Throw I say out a disclaimer. this <laughs> because like before I wasn't operating ethically with my non-monogamy. I am now. And so when I do have relations with married men, I ask them, what is your situation? Right. You know what I mean? Which and so we is, talk about it first. And so if they have an understanding and they've had this discussion with their wife and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go off of what you're telling me. And if you bring anything my way, if this bitch making burner accounts, I'm going to fry you. Right. And dismiss you because you told me it was okay and that you had an understanding. So back then it wasn't as ethical, but now for me, it is. So I want to talk to you about that though. Um, specifically the financial gain of going about this because we, we, we soon will dive into the whole sex work aspect of this and where a woman may find herself at any point in her life. Um, but right now I'm in a fa- at, at, at a time where because I'm more financially sound mm-hmm. with with how I'm bringing in income, I've noticed how much you don't fuck with them relationships anymore. The money don't make me money make you come. Yeah, That's what not you think. The but when you bring source. but when you bring in your own money, you realize that damn, it don't matter what ounce of money that you have to give me. I don't want to give that piece of me to you. Yeah. For a, a, a price. And so I've thought about all of the relationships that I've had in the past where, yes, there was a financial gain in it. Now, I've never been to a place where I'm like, this is the price of my pussy. This is what you need to give me. Right. But I would go back to Kanye's line and I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't fucking with no, no broke, broke niggas. niggas. And if you was married, I was for sure going to have a financial upper uh, uh, like gain right. on our relationship. And now that I'm in a space where financially I can take care of myself, mm-hmm. I'm able to have more genuine relationships mm-hmm. with men. I want to talk to you about that for any woman who literally may be on that city girls vibe mm-hmm. where if you're not doing for me, we can't fuck with each other. Maybe digging into where that stems from. So can you talk about where you realize that these relationships make sense for me, but I need to pay my bills? So I'll be, I'm not even gonna hold you and I'll be honest with you. Most of my relationships, Same. <laughs> right? Cause I was a sugar baby and like low key still am. You know? Okay. I don't have a sugar daddy right now. And but you're still getting some sugar. I'm still, I'm gonna always get sugar. That ain't hard <laughs> to do. But most of my relationships that were sugar daddy or sugar daddy is sugar ish were non sexual. So okay. I was getting money. From men just by flexing my sexuality and my and and who I am without having to open my legs. So like I hear city girls and I'd be like, okay, sis, yas, do you? And also, I have the experience of being taken care of, having a thousand dollars dropped in my account after two hours of conversation with a yeah. nigga that I don't even same have never seen a day in my life well, it, over it, conversation. And that's what I said too. So my African and I've mentioned him on the Shout podcast. So the African, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I I had only seen him twice within our entire relationship. I had gotten about thirty thousand dollars, but he in our first conversation. Within 24 hours, he's like, I want you to know I'm 
I'm real. He sent me a thousand dollars. Yes, within ma'am. our first conversation, yes, and so like, yes, that is very true. But also with me furthering the engagement with him, it was on the premise that eventually we'll have sex, and eventually I know on the back end, yes, you're taking care of me, but you're taking care of me because I'm giving you sex. Right. So can we get into the psychological aspect of when you realize I am using this pussy for survival? Yeah, and so you don't have to be a project bitch. Say To it. be one that subscribes to the mindset. I think that as a woman, you realize that sex sells and that you Mm -hmm. have a powerhouse between your legs, whether you actually physically allow it to be penetrated or you dangle it. Right. Okay. Because I did a lot of dangling. Say the dangling. And finessing. Like the dangling in the back of your throat. Ma'am. Dangling thing in the the back of my throat. (laughs) Yes. I only said that because she was literally quoting Cardi earlier. Dangling thing. (laughs) So, you know... I think that when your coochie comes into your consciousness as a viable way to cash out, it's like, okay. And then like the whole respectability politics and, you know, morality comes in. And, but for me, it was just like, okay, well, if I can get what I need from these people with or without sex being involved, I'm okay with that because I'm in control of it. It's not like somebody else is controlling the narrative or controlling the situation. Um, but, and everybody's like on a different level with it because some women, like for me, I looked into sex work in all capacities, like early 2010s, you know, as there were a lot of like escort agencies out there and I mm. even looked into it, but they told me and I got rejected by practically all of them. Why? Because my body type was not what they preferred. They What did they prefer? What was wrong course, with your body type? Uh, so it was like white women, of course, first. Mm. And then secondly, if you're a black woman, you know, the they slim, want the small, petite, slim, petite black women. And I'm thick as hell. They know what they didn't know what to do with me. And so and that's also another reason why I didn't go into pornography, because I knew that my body type, I would get paid less and so um, all of that was out of the window for me. That's why sugaring and like fetish stuff really did it for me. As you far were as okay with work. being fetishized? No, no, no. I was never being fetishized. Like um, men wanted me to degrade them. Men wanted me oh. to wrestle them. Men wanted me to dominate the them okay. because of my size. And y'all, like if you I'm don't know one. again, she <laughs> she is... She is 5'10 with her heels on. She was 6'8. Um, <laughs> she exaggerated. I was 6'2. <laughs> but y'all know, bitch, I'm 5'1. So she, she had a little nugget. She came in she and had I, chicken nugget. I, I hugged her belly button, y'all, yeah. with her waist trainer and all. I was like, come yeah. here, come here, belly button. <laughs> so so you're in the space now. You're, you're sugaring. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, because I always, say that my environment is what introduced me into this whole lifestyle. So leaving my house at 18, um, moving to Atlanta, I was friends at that point with porn stars, with video vixens, with girls who was just flat out fucking rappers. And Mm -hmm. so when everyone's like, how do you know all these people? Well, bitch, I knew the hoes they was fucking. Exactly. And the hoes are plugged in. I always say, if you want to fuck us Famous person, Become be friends with, friends with hoes. Friends with hoes. Period. And they got money. Period. But 
at 18, I was also impressionable. Their right. lifestyle to me made sense. Like, if you fucking with a nigga who make millions, how are you fucking him for free? Right. And so at an impressionable age, I was introduced into this lifestyle where how dare you fuck someone and not get anything out of it? Mm-hmm. Because, of course, if we go into statistics, women aren't often being pleased orgasmically. At all. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, well, bitch, if you're not going to get an orgasm, you may it's as well get bag. some bucks. Yeah. So let's get into that. The conversation of sex work. A woman feeling still powerful, although she's now being bought at a price. Let me talk to you monkey cooch hoes that was made that I said, oh, bitch, I thought self-respect was taxing niggas. Bitch, I said what I said. Know your worth, bitch. You was mad because you didn't like that, that I said that because you know it's true, bitch. You do not like throwing that pussy around like you be throwing around motherfucking town and coming home to them bills being due. Shit, you don't like, you, I know you don't like that coming home after you have all these morals and this so-called self-respect that you have and a bill is due. Bitch, hell nah. Tax that nigga like I motherfucking say. Say, Let's get into that at the very base bottom level of it. Well, you're getting compensated for for what's between your legs. I always say it's not that you as the woman you're being bought. It's it's what you are providing that's really being bought. You know what I mean? It's like the sex, the conversation, your time. And so if you're charging for that, then it's not like you're selling, quote unquote, yourself, because there are aspects of yourself that you don't bring to that situation because mm. that's not what he has bought into. He's brought into the fantasy. He's bought into you being a form of escapism for him. Oh, this is why I wasn't cooking for niggas. Exactly. <laughs> because he was not asking you to cook for him. His wife was doing that. He wanted right. you to be that space of like freedom for him to express himself. So he was paying for freedom. Okay. And that freedom came through spending time with you. Right. And so that's the, that is the premise that like I really operated in because I'm like, I'm not selling myself. I'm selling a service or I'm selling my time or I'm selling um, this this experience. Right. Really. And the fact that you keep saying experience, I want to bring into because we keep saying selling and price and all of these things. We were talking earlier as far as a woman being in this sex work and sex space. It doesn't necessarily mean prostitution or escorting. Right. Or like sugaring. It could be a stripper. It could be. I have Talk less experiences with actually fucking and receiving money for it. Same. Like I, right. I literally had one sugar daddy that I was fucking for money. All the others, it was either some fetish shit or it was a finesse. <laughs> okay. okay. And Which means there was finesse, really tricks. Right, <laughs> right. I like a trick ass nigga. Not even gonna front. Don't we all? And when I say finesse, I mean my time, my conversation, my company. That's what I was selling. And even if, even if I was attracted, because I had one sugar daddy that, you know, he was separated from his wife, and we even went. He flew me out, flewed me out. All right, flew that to his city. We met up at a hotel, and we sat on the bed, and we talked. And he was just like, I don't actually want to do anything with you. And I actually don't want to leave my wife, but I wanted to fly you out here to tell you face to face this. And I'm going to compensate you. We never did anything sexual. He never wanted to move into that space with me because after we spoke, he had so much respect for me that he actually started to see me as like a little sister. So can, can we talk? So what, what you just brought up made me think. A lot of women value themselves at having a wop, mm-hmm. a wet ass pussy, 
great dick sucking skills, being able to ride for hours. But as women, a lot of us don't value who we are as women and what we provide that would be different than what a bro could provide or a mm-hmm. homie or mm-hmm. another guy. So can you talk about you providing the service as far as companionship, conversation, being just the female energy in the room? Yeah. Like how how would you what would you give advice as far as a woman to learn how to value that side of herself without thinking you have to bust it wide open for a man? Let me tell you, all the married men that I had dealt with, that was really why they were with me. Because I was a listening ear. Because I was right. empathetic. Because I wasn't like judging them or chastising them or talking down to them or making it seem like they were doing something wrong. I was there to listen and hold space. And however they wanted to interact with me or however they wanted nurturing, I was there to provide that. Right. And so there is a lot of power in just being present. Because mm. in a lot of relationships, they aren't even fully present. They're there feeling obligated because they've had the children and they've gotten married and now that they're the provider and in wanting to be a purposeful parent, then they feel like, oh, well, I got to stay in this relationship. And so then they're with a partner who's really a stranger who Mm. they don't communicate with. They're definitely not fucking. So they're in a sexless relationship. And so they're just seeking some type of intimacy and companionship. And that's why a lot of men cheat because they feel like in their relationship, in their primary relationship, they're not receiving that. They're not being seen and heard. So I understood the importance of being seen and heard because I was so desperately seeking that for myself too. And I Ah. provided that for these people and I got paid. And this is why I went into education. (laughs) Right. So let's get into that side. A lot of people who think of sex work automatically think of OnlyFans, stripping, illegal activities. Um, And I've said it often. I felt like I have been not only a sex worker, but sex work adjacent with horrible Mm -hmm. decisions. Um, and although period sis is more so focused on womanhood and not sex because we experience so much as women outside right. of what we experience as far as penetration or being with a, a partner, mm-hmm. um, these conversations were important to me because to me, a lot of people do feel empowered in being in this space. So I wanted to talk to you about how you've elevated your brand, who you are as a woman into not just going on Backpage or being in these Yo, relationships. Cra- shout, with, out shout out to Craigslist and Backpage. R.I.P. How about R.I.P.? <laughs> How about R.I.P.? <laughs> How about I miss just going in there and reading what people were Fum. looking for? Fom. <laughs> Wait, what is fom? Fom. Fam. Fom. Oh, fom. When it get deep. Fom. <laughs> Yo. I ain't gonna hold you. I don't like accents, bitch. So that's oh, why yeah. I ain't catch on to that. I don't even be like an accent like that. Yo, back page, Craigslist. All of that. Shout out and to you. I actually used to love just going in and reading what people were looking for because mm-hmm. that's, I think, what truly opened my mind to yes. seeing, like, and they would be very discreet about what they wanted because yep. they would be like, I either have a, have a family or I have a, well, I have a really good job. Mm-hmm. So things about myself sexually, I don't want out. And so that's where I want to talk about because as women, as soon as you are sexually liberated or as soon as you openly discuss how much you love sex, 
society wants to kind of put a fucking hex on you or feel like yeah. you're less than. And so can we talk about where you are in the sex workspace and how you got there yeah. and what your mission is? So where I am in the sex workspace is as a sex educator, sexual healer, pleasure coach, content creator. Pleasure coach, bitch. Yes, pleasure coach. She be teaching bitches how to I ride. I teach people how to fuck. I say that. Go to her I will YouTube teach you how to now. fuck <laughs> the techniques, like the technical skills you need to apply to the body, mind, spirit to feel pleasure. I will teach you that, and I will, I will change your life. Okay, I'm just yes. Saying. So, where? How did you get there? Let's talk about for like, how did you get there? Shouts out to the merry niggas because <laughs> I swear again. So I remember there was this one guy I was dealing with who was married, and he was also a photographer, and he gave me HPV. Oh, wow. Wait, and you're like shouting him out? Yeah, because you're he inspired me to start my blog. So he... Look at what women go through. Men inspire us to become new women by giving us fucking diseases. Okay. He gave me so HPV. HPV. Which, can you break it down for women? Because we, I, I, I like to think that maybe this is a show, too, that women who are just newly sexually active or, mm -hmm. or not very, you know, Human educated. papilloma virus. And that is? And it's basically the... Uh, it's a bacteria, right? It's a, it, yeah, and it it causes cervical cancer. Okay. Okay. And, and it can also go months to years undetected. Yes. Because sometimes it's asymptomatic. Exactly. Yes. Most of the time it's asymptomatic. Okay. Until it turns into cervical cancer. <laughs> the, the way you're saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> Bitch. And even cervical cancer can be asymptomatic until you start feeling pain until it's like stage four and some shit where and it's detrimental and now you gotta die. Get out of here. Okay. You know what I mean? Or right. it can um, create genital warts. Okay. So um, none of that happened to me, but I did have mild dysplasia, which means that my cervical cells were mutating. Okay. And what, what harm did that so if if your cervical cells get to um level four cia level four then it's cervical cancer okay i was at a two okay halfway okay. there halfway there okay so i was appalled because he and i were having sex and having sex unprotected okay right so it was no barriers which i was i'm like Wow, you married men are so okay with oh, just Jesus. fucking raw. Oh my gosh, like, what is this? Thank God I'm a clean bitch. And when I say clean, I don't mean that as you're dirty if you have an STI. I mean, I I keep take care of my hygiene, I get tested, and I make sure that I'm not carrying a bacteria or a virus that can infect But also, I want to talk about that. To me, dirty also, to me, when I think of it, it's more so as a hidden betrayal thing. So yeah. to me, if you're yeah. calling someone dirty, to me, it's more so not that if you ever have caught anything or haven't, it's your disclosure to exactly, it. Exactly, my disclosure. Because yes. I'm not ever going to shame anyone living with an STI. Right. You can live with herpes or HIV and be or HPV just as safe and, and right. be safe and have a healthy, happy, wholesome sex life. So don't get me twisted and be like, she's shaming. Right, right. No, you're not. don't do me. Okay. So... When I had HPV, I was going to the gynecologist consistently because she was monitoring my cervix. I was young. I was 22. I was 22. And that young? I was 20. You experienced this? I was 22. Mind you, if, if y'all, like, this was 
three years after your first romantic mm-hmm. encounter with a man. And sexual. That's how, sexual. Sexual encounter with a man. And that's how quick it can happen. Yep. You were battling this three years into being sexually active yep. with a partner. And and so my, my um, gynecologist was like, I might have to remove a part of your cervix. And that scared me because she was like, you're so young and you haven't had children yet. And, you know, cervical cells are not, they're, they're different in the way that they grow back. Sometimes they can grow back abnormal. You can have scar tissue. She was just laying out the facts for me. You know what I mean? And it pissed me off because I was like, damn. So I got HPV now. And I text him, you gave me HPV. Thanks. You know? What was his response? Did he even he know what that was? He did not respond. He did not respond. And this is why I say I felt burnt, pun intended, burnt by, by men because they do things that they don't even realize how it impacts you as a woman. And they walk away like they don't have anything to do with it or like they don't have any responsibility to take. A part of my cervix could have been removed because you passed on a pathogen to me that I had no idea you were carrying. Thank God I'm educated. Thank God I educate myself. And thank God my body is strong because my body healed it. HDB, but it there's a away. lot of women, right? There's a lot of women that are not battling because their body didn't. Exactly. Or, or they weren't educated early on to where they exactly. found out about it too late. And this is why I started my blog. Because I was sitting there at 22 like, damn, if I am going through this, I know there's other women going through this. And I don't want women, especially black women to feel like they don't have a voice or have a source to empower themselves. And I was like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take my situation. I'm going to educate other black women. And I say black women specifically because when I did my research, see right now, the climate 2020, and I know that I've had an influence in this. Right. Hello, black sex experts. Hello. Hello. Okay. Let's both. I'm not going to lie. I say that this is a reason why I'm in this space. Because 30 years from now, when they talk about this movement mm-hmm. of sexual liberation with women, specifically black women, mm-hmm. I need to and will be a part of that conversation. Yep. I was because one we of the both pushed that. Yes, which is why I, I and I followed you early, which was exactly. why I got to bring her on. It's nine yes. years. I, nine years in You've September. You've been doing this for a long time. I started it because I saw what was about to happen. I saw 2020 in 2010. Right. Okay. Because I am a visionary. And God deposits things into my consciousness that I see. And I was just like, damn, I started doing research and realized like no one's talking to black women. No one's speaking our language. Right. They're not advocating for us. Mainstream sexuality doesn't advocate for us or cape for us. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do the work. And do you know who was behind me and pushing me to do all of this? Who was that? My dad. Say that. Say that again. My dad. For anybody out there that want to sit up here and try to say that that I'm doing the work that I'm doing because I got daddy issues, my dad told Pushed me to you. start a blog. He said, you're a talented writer, naturally. You need to be using your voice in writing. And I swear to you, you'll have everything you've ever dreamed of in life if you use your writing. I don't care what you write about. And so when I told him I was going to start a sex blog, he was like, that's necessary. You got to do this. I love that. Glamorotica101.com was created and I started empowering women from day one. And here I am as a sex worker, proud sex worker in the space of education and and pleasure education, sexual health education, pornography education, (laughs) 
teaching women right. and still I'm also a body worker. I do body work. I do massages and I'm also still a sugar from time to time when I want to be. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And also a dom when I want to be. I like to wrestle little niggas, specifically not niggas, white men. Give me my reparations, you little bitch. I love okay? it. So, ah. so I'm multifaceted and I want people to understand that even if you have been through sexual trauma and you choose to use sex work as your form of liberation, you have a right to do that as a sexually autonomous person, period. And just because the next person is ignorant and they really don't understand what it means to flex your sex doesn't mean that you should feel ashamed and how you decide to use it. And as women, if you are a womb owner, whether the womb was created or it, you were born with it, Okay, you have power. You have power that you need to embrace. You have power that can bring down entire empires or build them. It's your choice. It is your choice. And as long as you know that it's your choice, that's what matters most. Doesn't matter how you use it. And it's also about knowing, like, consenting to what you're doing. Okay. And, and speak and on it. Consciously being involved because there are some who are not, they're being forced into the work, but not only forced. If we bring it away from the bedroom and partners and using, you know, maybe being in a space where you're engaging in sex, I would say consent and being completely vi- like aware of what's going on speaks to also strippers and mm-hmm. dancers who feel like they have to, drink and do drugs to even mm-hmm. be on a shift mm-hmm. or to dance or to be in the faces of these men. You want to know th- why? I'll tell you why. Cause I worked in a titty bar for a good, like eh, maybe like six months before I went to bottle on, service. Come on high pitch voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, because when these men show up to the strip club or titty bar, wherever they're going where there are naked women dancing, they bring all of their fucking baggage in mm. all of the the insecurities and then they're expecting the stripper to be a therapist and a form of escapism and so the stripper sees all the ugly parts that he doesn't want to bring to his wife Mm. and this is why so many of them feel like they have to get drunk but i would say it's back to what you were talking about where as empaths you take on this stuff so a lot of us as women because we grow up to be these nurturers yep we are also empaths yep and we take in this pain and hurt from the people around us okay and and because i've seen it and also it is a part of the job before you even go on a shift you have to have two drinks okay listen Uh, a lot of places are like that listen for those of you that don't know the game behind the game you know i was behind the veil so i saw it you have to have two drinks and then if a customer buys you a drink you got to take it. And yeah. if you don't want to drink it, then you can take it back to the bar and they do what they do. But you at least got to take it. So some girls are getting slammed right. because customers are buying shots. You know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. And like, you got to take it in front of them. You know what I mean? Right. So, so it's a whole thing with that. But but again, you're not consciously actually interacting when you feel like you have to be drunk or you have to be high. And I understand why. Because they bring all the fucking bullshit to your doorstep. Right. When you're just trying to shake some ass for some cash. That's it. 
but they want you to be some cash. Baby. They want you to be their therapist. So, you know, that, I, I, I want to get. But before we get out of here, normally I like to end with like our guests leaving a tip or a thing to do or something of of, of that nature. What would you give as far as a tip to someone who feels like they're in this space where they are using themselves, their anatomy as an advancement or financially and a way to really know that they're being true to themselves? I'll say that. And I'm saying this because I do feel like now at 29, looking back to the things that I have done and the relationships Mm -hmm. that I did have, I wasn't aware of how I was being either gaslit, taken advantage of. And in Mm -hmm. situations where I thought I was in control, I was not. Yeah. So what bit of advice would you give to anyone listening that feels like they're in that space, whether they're dancing, whether they have a relationship that they're only staying in for financial, you know, advantages Mm -hmm. or where they do feel like I'm in this because I'm dependent. We we had that in in part two where you feel codependent. So what advice would you give to someone who feels like they're they're in this space? Check in with yourself. Your body is wise. Mm. Listen to what your body is telling you. And if when you ask yourself the question, like, why am I doing this? If it's anything other than empowering myself, then that is something to really think about and reconsider. You know, if it is for survival, that's okay. But then you got to ask yourself, am I satisfied with using this form of survival? And if you don't, if it doesn't bring you happiness and peace, then you need to switch up how you are flexing your sex in order to survive. See, I've always been drawn to sex work. Same. Because. But I'm not going to lie. Sex work to me, to me, felt drawn in when in middle school and high school, I was watching the video vixens online. Yes. And they had had the tiniest of outfits. Yes. Twerking. But they were around the rappers, the guys that essentially we all wanted to be around. And to me. My way of getting into those circles was to dress like them or was to look like these women and dance like these women and be sexy like these women. And so at a very young age, sex work essentially was thrown in my face. I was watching BET Uncut Uncut. late at night, watching Tip Drill and seeing what was going on. And I was like, okay, this is what adulthood is. This looks like fun. As women, this is how I'm supposed to be treated. Men would love me if I know how to twerk this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, unfortunately, again, it's early on driven into our heads that this is how we're supposed to behave, but yet we're shunned and blamed and looked as less worthy for mm-hmm. behaving in the way in which we see as the way to behave at the same time. Yeah, and it's like, for me, because I did grow up the way that I did in church with like my parents or whatever, I understood that it was entertainment and that they were providing mm. a service. So, so I had that base structure where I didn't get sucked into everything to the point where I became disillusioned. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I knew what it was. I knew it was models. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I love Vixens. And I, I miss Same. that I miss that era, to be honest. I'm not gonna lie, me too. I miss that era. Um, but yeah, so and and for and for me, when it came to the sex work, I was like, do I feel empowered doing this? Do I feel safe? Mm. That's the number one thing. Do you feel safe expressing yourself in this way and receiving money? for expressing yourself in this way. And if you don't, like if you genuinely hate men and you're fucking men for money, that's not healthy for your womb space. 
Say it. Because you're going to be bringing in all types of entities into your womb space. And if you do not have the tools to move that stuff out, you're going to identify with it. You're going to, it's going to become attached to you. And then it's going to manifest in your behavior and, it's and eat your you up health. A lot. It's going to eat you up a lot. In multiple ways, it's going to affect your mental health. So if you hate men, don't fuck men. But you can still fuck with them in a way that does not um, require for you to give of your body. You could be a dom. You could be an educator. You could just mm. be a confidant. You can be a companion and tease and dangle or blackmail. You know what I mean? There's so many different ways that you can still interact with me. I love that you added that. Yes. That fucking blackmail shit is the g- holy grail. <laughs> I, uh, the holy grail. I, I, I've, and I've spoken to doms too, and it's so crazy because people automatically do assume that sex work means you're having sex. Mm-mm. And so for you to bring into that space, like bring into the conversation that if you do have this hate or mental blockage with your relationship with men and how they've mistreated you, to know that you don't have to you give don't. yourselves entirely to a man to feel empowered, even if you're in the sex work space. Yeah. And I love you that. You can stuff your foot in their mouth. And then get paid. Not your foot. Here you go. All right. Bam. Now we get into the kicky Man. stuff. Now, now we get can, into that. You can stop, or you can smother them with your ass. You know what I mean? You can belittle them if they're into that. You can ball bust them. There's so many things in kink that men like get off on without penetrating. Even you. just the yes. idea of the fantasy of being with you, right? Can can you you dangling the pussy? Because that's what I did. Say that dangling the pussy. And still get paid. So it's about creating healthy boundaries for yourself. And as a woman, you need to. Yes. Not only in sex work, but in your regular relationships, which Man. you guys caught from ep- like part one of this. It's all about feeling comfortable with how you're engaging with anyone. Yes. Sexually, intimately. If you're building a relationship with someone, not changing yourself, but literally being firm in what you want out mm-hmm. of that relationship. Exactly. I think that's very big. And Guys, I don't know. We done been on live before. This woman is amazing and she has a lot to teach you guys. So, Tayomi, can you let everyone know where, A, they can find you, where they can find resources from you, what you offer? Just because I know you got a lot. So, go ahead and let the people know. (laughs) Go ahead and run it down. So, listen. You can find me at Glamorotica101.com. That's my blog. You can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Glamorotica101. On Twitter, at Glamazon Tayomi. Instagram, at Glamazon, oh, excuse me, real Glamazon Tayomi because my first page got deleted. There we go. And uh, Glamorotica101 on Instagram as well. And if you forget anything, all you got to do is just put Tayomi in Google. My SEO is high. That's T-Y-O-M-I. Also, if you guys are coming over to Period Sis from the Horrible Decisions platform, um, Tayomi was a part of our Chicago live show. If you guys are unfamiliar, um, but also, like I said, I've done a live with her. She has a lot to offer. And she actually, right before COVID hit and even after COVID did hit, the she was doing a whole, cowgirl, a whole cowgirl tour where she was teaching women how to feel powerful and ride the dick. This and is I know, my specialty, y'all. So, I, I, and again, I'm not going to do too much sex talk here which is funny because i actually wanted to bring you on to talk about riding dick but i was like eh, <laughs> you came on our live show for horrible decisions i but think you know that's what? enough i but think that we should talk about it on period sis at some it. point okay because women do need to know how to be active in the sexual so don't bitch i turn this ass around Look, and throw it back no, bitch. I, Fuck I, you but, but, no, but you're doing it back 
That's I am. still active. Okay. That's so being active. active. All right. Stroking back. That's what writing is, is stroking back. Y'all see, look, she got, she, look, she ready to I'm, get a I'm tip. I'm trying to tell y'all. She ready to get I'm a tip. I'm passionate about this because the first time a man threw me on top of him and told me to ride was three. Like, I had only had three partners at this point. I had oh, just yeah, started having sex and I was so intimidated and I felt embarrassed and I was like, never again, bitch. But I think that, and and you guys will hear, um, of course, either in a previous episode or a future episode, I've recorded with a friend, um, Natalie, who does hypnotherapy. And she talked a lot about, A, in order to reach an orgasm, you have to be completely open and comfortable and happy with yourself first. First. And we don't really talk much about that. Nope. Um, so that's coming up, too. There's a lot of conversations. Tyomi, thank you for having my first Two part. Oh yes, I love being the first. You never forget your you first. You are the first, bitch. I ain't even gonna hold you, um, guys. I hope you enjoyed this, and let me know. I don't know if I have many people that could do two parts like you, but guys, I could do multiple parts. You know what I mean? <laughs> let me know what you guys think of this. Again, follow Tyomi. All of her information, as far as her YouTube, her her blog site, her website, her Twitter, her Instagram, everything will be in the description of this episode. I want to thank you again, Tyomi, for joining for me. me. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Periodicus. Of course, stay tuned because I will be giving you stats and facts on motherfucking step, um, sex work and more um, before signing out. So stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Bitch, I said know your worth and tax these niggas. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Dab, 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 dab. I just love, 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 love Tayomi, and I hope that you guys enjoyed both of these conversations with her. As always, I wanted to leave you guys off with a few stats and facts specifically pertaining to sex work, and I found this one very interesting. Um, it's actually that sex workers are often ineligible for rape victim compensation funds or they receive reduced amounts. So in the U.K., Anyone with a minor conviction, including a conviction for public, for public solicitation, is barred from receiving full rape victim compensation. And here in the U.S., sex worker survivors cannot receive compensation for lost wages from engaging in illegal forms of sex work. It's, what's also crazy, guys, is that the stigma surrounding sex work is actually what increases the violence. Um, there is a correlation between anti-sex work rhetoric that sees street-based workers as a nuisance or threat to public order and an increase in violence against those sex workers do occur. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation because, I mean, again, I think that just the onset of what we view sex workers to be or what society has deemed them as, I mean, even in this, and, and mind you, those stats come from Huffington Post, it's literally the fact that they view the oldest profession as something that just is a detriment to society, which is not the case. Again, it is the oldest profession. Um, and I just really like the insight that Tayomi was able to add in the conversation surrounding sex work and why, as a woman, um, we may, you know, feel the need to use our box and what's between our legs um, as a means of survival and a means to pay our bills and a means to get, you know, maybe what we want or what we need because it is 
kind of a, a bartering tool in society. So it's just crazy. Um, again, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure you go ahead and follow Tayomi. That's real Glamazon Tayomi on Instagram and Glamazon Tayomi on Twitter. Also follow me everywhere at Full Court Pumps and do be up to date on what is going on. Follow us on Instagram at official box owner. Guys, the website is launching for official box owner this week. And you guys will be able to not only join in on the newsletter and mailing list, but we will go ahead and start um, getting your contacts so that you are the first to know when the official box owner subscription box drops. And again, that is going to be a quarterly box. I'm super excited too, because if you are in the 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 state of mind where you want to not only support black owned businesses but kind of just make strides in that of course not only is official box owner black owned and woman owned hey that's me but the very first box um and all of the brands that are a part of it are black owned and woman owned um there is one brand that is just black owned um it's owned by a black male but the other four products are black owned woman owned so this is the time to support those businesses as well i am super excited again make sure you follow me over on official box owner we have some really dope conversations coming up i'll tell you guys a few we got an episode on yeast infections coming up ovarian cyst ruptures um and surgery and and a good friend of mine who went through ovarian cysts um we have next week a chemo miracle so tune in next week to hear of a woman who went through um not only stage three but is currently in stage four of breast cancer and through chemo and premenopause and all of these things in which they told her she was infertile, find out how a baby came about. I'm super excited to be having these conversations and sharing all of these tales of womanhood. Again, I really appreciate you guys for constantly supporting me in all of my ventures. And again, if you guys want more bon bonus content and want to join a community, go ahead and support the brand for as little as $5 a month. You can join me over on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash the official box owner. Oop, just official box owner, not the. So it's patreon.com backslash official box owner. And I have, you know, shit going on over there. So anyways, guys, thank you for tuning in. And I appreciate you. Until next time.